Well, good morning again. It is so uh, good to be back with you. I had a chance to preach a couple weeks ago and another chance today. And I want to talk about God's will because uh, I've been in full-time ministry now for almost 14 years. And I've been asked a lot of questions in my 14 years, questions on the Bible, interpretation of the Bible, questions on theology and doctrine, questions on relationships, finances. But by far, without comparison, the question I have been asked the most is, I'm in this situation, I've got to make a decision, what does God want me to do? How can I know what God wants me to do in this decision that's in front of me? This situation that I'm in, I don't know which way to go. What does God want me to do? See, we need to understand that our lives can be forever changed on the basis of a decision. One decision can change our lives forever. So when it comes to making decisions, oftentimes people find themselves in a state of anxiety and confusion and frustration and stress, not knowing what to do. Now, when I'm talking about decisions that need to be make, made, I'm not talking about which cereal to buy at Food Line. I'm not talking about is it Frosted Flakes or Captain Crunch. No, I'm not talking about those kind of decisions. I'm talking about those tough decisions in our life. Those decisions for some of you young folks, where am I going to go to school? What about this job? They're telling me that I need to make a change and be relocated to another place. What about decisions to do with your finances? Do I, do I rent? Do I buy a house and go in debt? What do I do about these kind of decisions? How, how do I know what God's will is for me in these particular situations? These are hard decisions. And then there's also those what I call heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching decisions that you have to make sometimes in life. For example, when a spouse comes to you and says they have been unfaithful. Or when you're told at work to look the other way from this unethical practice that's taking place at work and don't say anything about it. Or if your employer comes to you and says you're being relocated to another state and your daughter is getting ready to start her senior year in high school. These are hard, gut-wrenching decisions. And so often, we desperately want to hear what God has to say for us. What does God want us to do? Well, first of all, let me say this, that I do not claim to offer answers to all of life's complex decisions. If you were coming today expecting me to give you a magic formula that if you just do this, then God's will will be crystal clear for you, then I'm going to greatly disappoint you. I don't have those answers. You know, for some of us, we feel like God's got this this blueprint of our life up in heaven. 
that shows us everything we need to do. And at some point, God's going to drop that blueprint down into our laps and let us see exactly what step I need to take day by day for the rest of my life. Well, God's not going to do that either. Now, he wants you to know what his will is. He so desperately wants you to know that. But you have to know and understand and discover what God's will is for your life. Because when we make decisions, God wants us to make God-honoring decisions uh, in life. Look look in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're just going to look at three verses, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, God wants you to understand what the Lord's will is. That's his desire. So the question we have this morning that we need to ask is, does God really have a plan for my life? Does God have a will? Is there a way that God wants me to go? Well, I can tell you, yes. God's word is full of verses that tell us that. God has a specific plan and a will for your life. I love what it says in Psalm, in Psalm 32. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. And as I have prepared this message, that verse has really spoke to me. Because when I read it, I read it a little bit differently. Here's how I read it. I, Jesus Christ, will instruct you, Shannon. I I will teach you the way, Shannon, that you need to go. And not only am I going to teach you and instruct you, I'm going to counsel with you as you go along this way. And not only am I going to counsel with you, I'm going to watch over you as you go this way. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's a promise that I can cling to. Because I look out in this room, I know some of you are in some very difficult situations. Whether it may be with a job or, or a family or finances. You don't, know what I'm, you don't know what you need to do. God, what do I need to do? Well, God says, you know what? I'm going to instruct you. And I'm going to teach you. And then I'm going to counsel you. And then I'm going to watch over you. Now, I don't care what decision you have in front of you. That's a promise and encouragement you need to hear today. But God's word also says in Proverbs, a verse that many of us learned as small children, it says, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you from experience that when I make decisions leaning on my own understanding, by nine times out of ten, they're bad decisions. 
They're bad decisions. I'm not smart enough to make those kind of decisions. And Christ says, don't. Submit to me. Submit to me, Shannon, and I will make your path straight. In other words, I will show you the path that you need to take in life. And then Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So when you face these difficult decisions that you have in life, remember, God has a plan for you. And that plan brings hope and a future. You need to understand that God so desires for you to know what his plan is for your life. See, not only does God have a plan for each of us, he wants to communicate those plans to us. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. When you're in a tough situation, you got to make a decision. You're not sure what you should do. What does God want me to do? And how do I hear from God? How does God communicate to me what he wants me to do? Well, when people come to me, I tell them the first thing is, you need to understand that God communicates in a variety of ways. We ask this question, how does God communicate his plan to me? The first thing I tell him is through his word. Through his word. That's how he talks to me. That's how he talks to you. And I can give you countless verses, but just Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible, but also one of the best chapters. I would encourage you to read it frequently. Verse 97 through 100, the Bible says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. 104. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. So as you see, just in this one passage, it is through reading God's Word, it is through meditating on God's Word that the Bible says, I become wiser than the elders and the teachers. I have more insight than my my teachers because your Word has spoken to me and now I know which path to take and which path not to take. See, God communicates most often through a systematic reading of his word. Let me say that again. God communicates to you most often through a systematic reading of his word. I I believe every one of you should have some sort of plan on how you read God's word that takes you, lets you read throughout the Bible and see the whole counsel of the Bible. You ought to have a plan. Now, I, I don't encourage you to use the old flip method. Y'all know about the flip method, don't you? Oh, God, on high, I desperately need to hear from you, Lord. I got to make a decision by 12 o'clock today. Lord, I need you to show me and tell me what it is I need to do. And you go to the old flip method. And right there, number seven, Lord, I want you to tell me what I need to do. See, be careful of the flip method. Reminds me of the gentleman who was trying to find out what God's will for his life. 
And he thought he would use the old flip method to do that. So he flipped over in his Bible. Matthew 27, 5. He went and hanged himself. Talking about Judas. He's like, that, that can't be what God wants me to do. Let, let, me, let me flip again. So he flips again. Landing on Luke 10, 37. Go and do likewise. Wait a minute. You're telling me to hang myself and now go and do likewise. And wait a minute. Let, let me flip the third time because the third time is always the charm. So he flips the third time and he lands on John 13, 27. It says, what you do, do quickly. <laughs> you be careful of the flip method when you read God's word. God wants to communicate to you, and he communicates through his word. So read God's word. Don't take verses out of context. Don't twist verses. Don't try to put meaning in verses that aren't there. Read God's word in a systematic way. And when you read God's word, listen to me. Verses will jump off the page. There'll be verses that just, wow, speak to you. No, that's God speaking to you. So when you read God's word... Highlight those verses. Mark those verses that jump off the page. And then, listen, this is going to be a radical thought for a lot of you. Go old school. Get some three-by-five index cards and write those verses down and carry them with you all day and read and meditate. Because if those verses jumped off those page, God's trying to communicate to you. Take those verses with you. Read them and meditate. God speaks through a systematic reading of his word. But God also communicates other ways. He communicates through the Holy Spirit. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is now and dwells in us. The Holy Spirit takes residence. Our body is now a temple for the Holy Spirit. And he is always there. But look what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. This is Paul writing. Says these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have received. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. You know, last week, Doug talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. And we learned that the Holy Spirit has many roles. Uh, The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin. He comes to God, comfort, give us spiritual gifts that we can use to build and edify the church. He leads us. He empowers us. He fills us. He regenerates us. He sanctifies us. But the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit reveals the deep things of God and helps us understand what God has freely given us. So God wants to communicate to you. When you're faced with a difficult decision, you don't know which way to turn. God wants to help you. He wants to speak to you through his word, through the Holy Spirit, which helps us understand and and reveals the deep things of God. But God also speaks through prayer. 
I think we all know that, expect that. Uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God so desperately tries to speak to you, oftentimes through your, sp- through your prayer. But for many of you, you're not hearing from God. Why is that? Well, let me give you a couple possible reasons. Number one is because you aren't praying. I'm not talking about that one-minute prayer and then off you go. I'm talking about in deep prayer with God. The truth of the matter is many sitting here, you don't even have what we call a prayer life. Or secondly, maybe you had not heard from God in your prayers because you're doing all the talking and you're doing all the asking. You're coming to God with all your problems, with all these situations that you need help on, and you're just dumping them in God's lap. You're doing all the talking. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Do you approach your prayer life with the thought that I get a chance to communicate with the one who spoke the worlds into existence? And if you get a chance to communicate, that means you're not doing all the talking. You need to pray, but you need to listen. Take time and listen. God is trying to speak to you, but you're, you're, not, you're not allowing him to. But God speaks through prayer. God speaks to us, expecting us to have a conversation and waiting on him to speak. But not only does God speak through his word, or not only does God speak through the Holy Spirit, not only does God speak through prayer, he also speaks through godly people. I love the story in 2 Samuel 12. Y'all know the story, if you know your Old Testament. David, king of Israel, king of Israel commits sin with Bathsheba. And then doesn't stop there. He has Bathsheba's husband move to the front line so that he would die in battle. All these things take place. Well, it's been years now. David's kind of learned to live with all that sin in his life. Until an old prophet by the name of Nathan comes to him. And I don't have time to read that whole passage. Let me just read a couple verses out of 2 Samuel 12. Then Nathan said to David, to the king now, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king of Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? And as David was confronted by that counsel from a godly man, David's life was changed. Go back and read Psalm 51. You'll see how David's heart was changed because of counsel from a godly person. 
So God speaks through his word. He speaks through Holy Spirit, speaks through prayer, speaks through godly people. You know, when he talks to us through godly people, sometimes we push back because we don't want you speaking truth into our lives. We get offended. Listen, godly people can see what we cannot see. We all have blind spots, and they can see what we cannot see. And not only that, they, they can be objective when they evaluate the issues. They can point out errors in judgment. They can offer incredible, valuable insights. J.I. Packer said, don't be a spiritual lone ranger. When you think you see God's will, have your perspective checked. And I think that's a good word. So God speaks. God speaks through his word. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through prayer. Her circumstances, God so desperately tries to hear from us. He so desperately wants to speak to us. And one of the ways I know he speaks through me is through circumstances. Through circumstances. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Because a great door of, for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. See, Paul was in the midst of his missionary journeys. But God changed things, opened a new door for him. See, God speaks through our circumstances. There are times that God orchestrates circumstances in your life. Sometimes these circumstances come as trials in our life. Where God is trying to get your attention. God is trying to speak to you. God is trying to tell you something. And he's working through these circumstances. So hearing from God is critical. And God so desires to communicate this plan that he has for us. This will that he wants us to go follow. God so desires to communicate that to us. Well, the question becomes... What are the practical steps toward finding God's will for my life? Lord, I'm, I'm in this situation. It's tough. And I've got to make a decision. And I'm not sure I know which way to go. Lord, I need to hear from you. What can I do to put myself in a position where I can better hear and receive your word and your will for my life? Now, again, I don't have any magic formulas, okay? Okay. I don't have any magic formulas. I do have a couple practical, pragmatic steps that I can offer you to put yourself in that position where you can hear more clearly from God. The first thing that we need to do is we need to surrender. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. An individual must first become a child of God before they know God's will for their life. That's the first thing that has to happen. See, God's will is that all of us become his children. But until you become a follower of Jesus Christ, God cannot lead you and direct you any further because you are living by your will and you are living by your sinful nature. God so desperately wants to convert you, transform you. God, God has this divine plan for your life, but you'll never know it until you first surrender your life to Jesus Christ. 
I'll never forget, I hadn't been in ministry long, maybe months. I was at a church in Spartanburg, and our pastor, who did a lot of counseling, uh, had a counseling appointment, but he had to leave. Something came up. So they called me, Shannon, fresh out of seminary, maybe three months of experience. We need you to counsel this couple. Well, I didn't know who they were. So we go in, sit down. Here's the question they asked me. We're on our way to get a divorce unless you can tell us something differently. How about that for your first counseling experience ever in your life? We're on our way to get a divorce unless you can tell us something differently. Well, I don't know who they were. So obviously what happened was an incredible amount of stress and panic took place inside of my life because I'm like, I don't know what to say. And then it hit me. I do know what to say. So I asked that couple. The only hope for your marriage is Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, do you know him? Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Because you will never know God's will for your life until you first surrender to him. God has a plan for you. But you must first give your life to Christ. Repent of your sins. Place your faith and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You will never know God's will until you have first surrendered to him. But secondly, you need to separate yourself from the world. God will, God's will for your life can be fully understood. God's will for your life can be fully discovered, but you must have clean hands and clean hearts. You see, God's will, listen to me, God's will for your life will never be revealed if you are living in sin. If you are living in unconfessed sin, if you are following the things of the world, if you are pursuing the pleasures of this world and not God, God's will will never be revealed to you. You must separate yourself from the world. Now, obviously, there is no way we can remove all the influences of the world around us. Nor are we supposed to go shave our heads and live in isolation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we as followers of Christ need to learn how to be in the world but not of the world. We need to not be pursuing the things of the world but pursuing those eternal things, living that separated life. God cannot and will not speak to you if there's unconfessed sin in your life. Third, Study the Word of God for guidance. Surrender yourself to Christ. Separate yourself from the world. Study God's Word for guidance. Henry Blackaby, one of the greatest men of God I've ever known. Don't really know him. I've heard him speak a couple of times and read his books. But here's what Henry Blackaby says. In seeking God's will, the Bible is your clearest and most unmistakable source. Let me read that to you again. In seeking God's will, Lord, what do I need to do in this situation? What is it you want me to do? In seeking God's will, the Bible is your clearest and most unmistakable source. You see, the Spirit of God speaks through the Word of God to reveal the will of God. That's how it works. 
And throughout the Bible, there are literally hundreds of clear commands, clear verses that speak to us. So I tell people all the time, when you want to know what God's trying to say to you, when you're trying to seek counsel from God through his word, ask this question. What does God's word have to say about this situation, situation already? Because a lot of times the answer is right there in black and white on what you're to do. It's in God's word. We can rest assured that God's will for our lives will never, ever contradict his word. God's will is in perfect harmony with God's word. So the more you know the written word of God, the more you'll be able to quickly understand what God's will is for your life. So put yourself in a situation, in a, in a position where you can hear from God. Surrender, first of all, to Christ. Separate your life from the world. Study God's word for guidance. Seek God's direction in prayer. And prayer is that vehicle, that vehicle of communication by which we can understand God's will. Learned something years ago that had a radical impact on my life. And that is this. When we pray, it may be somewhat like me. Sometimes I didn't know what to pray. Sometimes I would start praying and couldn't remember what I was praying. I guess I'm the only one who's ever done that in this room, but I, I confess that to you. Until I was introduced to a certain practice that I have now employed in my life and teach to others. And that is when you pray, pray scripture. Because, first of all, if you're praying God's word, you know what you're praying is right. And God's will is in his word, so pray God's word. Now, how in the world do you do that, Shannon, you may ask? Well, we learned a technique in, uh, a while back. I, I do it in Psalms. I just, whatever the day of the week is, did last night. Pick out that psalm, and I pray it back to God. You may say, well, what, what do you mean pray it back to God? No, I pray that prayer in my own words. What, I, what I'm reading in verse 9, I pray it back to God in my own word, bringing in some of the situations and circumstances in my life. I pray God's word back to him. Because I said God's word is in his will. God's will is in his word. And if you're praying God's word, then you know you're praying what's true and what God wants you to pray. So I, I would challenge you to try that. See, the more time we spend praying to our Heavenly Father, the better we're going to know Him and the better we're going to be able to understand His will for our life. Prayer is a vital means of guidance to the, in learning the will of God. So we need to surrender our life. We need to separate from the world. We need to study God's Word. We need to seek God in prayer. Also, we need to search our options. It's just nothing earth-shattering. Knowing your options is important in making decisions. And I think you need to list out your options, your alternatives, list out the consequences, and understand this. When you list out your options, it isn't always right to choose the easiest and most convenient option. I've learned that. Sometimes God's will and a decision I must make is hard to do. 
Because when you look at these options, here's what I want you to understand. When you look at these options, ask yourself this question. What spiritual impact will this decision have not only on my life, but on the life of those around me, mainly my family? When I make this decision, what kind of spiritual impact is it going to have on me? But more importantly, what kind of spiritual impact is it going to have on my children, my family? See, God wants us to do what is right. He's never going to ask you to choose an option that's contrary to his word. But he wants you to pick that option that's going to have a positive impact on your spiritual life and the life of your family. So search your options. Look at them. List the pros and the cons. But also, as I said earlier, seek the counsel of godly people. I read J.I. Packer's quote. Let me, let me finish that whole quote because I stopped. It says, don't be a spiritual long ranger when you think you see God's will. Have your perception checked. Draw on the wisdom of those who are wiser than you are. Take advice. I cannot tell you how many times this has helped me in the decisions I've had to make. Our, our pastor, Jeff, is good at this. Man, he just, when I bring a situation, he can just see things that I didn't see. He can offer insights that I didn't even think about. And that's what godly people can do because they're wiser than you. They're more experienced than you. And like I said, some people push back when, when people try to speak truth into your life. They're just trying to help you. And if you go to someone, ask advice, and then listen to it. Don't get mad. Think they're trying to critique you. They're trying to help you. So seek out godly people. People who are in tune with God, who are sensitive to the spiritual issues, who know how to apply God's word to your life. See, that's what wisdom means. Not just understanding God's word, but how you apply God's word into your life. So seek out those godly people. They can speak to you. They will speak to you. And next, submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus told his disciples about the comforter, the Holy Spirit, notice what he said. He said, when he comes, he will guide you and guide them into all truth. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom and gives us discernment to know and be able to understand and demonstrate God's will. And I know in my life, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, not through an audible voice. He can, but he doesn't usually do that. There's an urging in my life. There's this inward urging that takes place and I've learned over the years that when that's happening, it's God, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And there are things that I have done that I was not planning to do, but because of that inward urging in my life, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, I did those things. So open yourself up. Put yourself in a position to be able to understand what God's will is for your life. He wants you to know that. He doesn't want you to live in the dark. He wants you to know what it is that he wants you to do. So try these steps. Put yourself in that kind of situation. You know, I'm going to give you an illustration of all of this, and I'm going to use my life. As I talked about last time I preached, I kind of gave you 
a little bit of my testimony and how I came to know Jesus Christ and the church game that I've been playing all my life. But let me tell you about another time in my life. For those who don't know, I went to Clemson and got a mechanical engineering degree. I always want to be an engineer in my life. So I started right out of school working for a division of Ingersoll Rand. Spent about three or four years there. Then I moved to Michelin Tire. And um, man, my, my career was progressing and moving rapidly. The last position I had at Michelin, I was head of the entire quality department, had 30 people re- reporting to me, was taking the corporate jet, jet to my meetings at other plants. I mean, this was the job that I had worked so hard for, and it was progressing. But at the same time, God began to speak to me. And he said, Shannon, this is not my will for your life. And I'm like, what? I've been poor my whole life. I've born, been born and raised on a mill hill. I finally have a job. I can make some money. Nope. This is not my will for your life. So God began to speak to me through an inward urging. And then he began to speak to me loudly through his word and through his prayer. That God was, ta- was calling me to leave that and go into full-time ministry. And I'm like, God, you got a great sense of humor. That's not going to happen. But the inward urging, the speaking through God's word, the prayers, the circ- it began to become so clear. That's what God was wanting me to do. Well, after years of this, you go to step two. Seek that counsel from your godly people. Well, in this case, number one was my wife. I, I can take it to the place in our house where I went and said, honey, I think, um, I think the Lord's calling me into ministry. And my wife's response was, what? I didn't marry a preacher. I married an engineer. Well, obviously, and I've learned this and I tell people all the time, if God's called you to do something, he's called your family also. So I backed off. I said, this must be my will, not God's will. Well, God began to work on her to the point years later she came back and said, yep, God's spoken to me. This is what we got to do. So I go to step two in counsel. I go to my pastor. What do I do? I've been in corporate America for almost 20 years. What do I do? How do I get into ministry? And he said, prepare yourself. So after being out of school for over 20 years, I go back to school and get my Masters of Divinity. I don't recommend doing that, by the way. When you've been out of school for 20 years, there's a lot of things you don't remember and don't know. But God got me through that. God got me through that and spoke to me. And then, when God reveals his will to you, tells you what decision you have to make, then the final step is, you got to do it. You got to do it. So, Left that promising career at Michelin. Great salary. Great benefits. Take on a part, take on a staff position at a church there in Spartanburg. Not nearly as good materialistic benefits, but incredible eternal benefits. And I can tell you right now, there is no better place in this world to be than in the center of God's will.
There's not a better place. Now, it may be different. It may, God's will may look radically different for you, but there is no better place to be than in the center of God's will. Well, quickly, I know we're running out of time. There are also some truths uh, that we need to remember when we are trying to discover God's will for our life and we're listening to God to speak to us. There's some truths that we need to remember. And number one, I don't like this. I wish God would have consulted me on this, but he did not. Number one, God isn't in a hurry. I'm always in a hurry, but God isn't. And don't expect God to reveal his will for your life until you start doing what he's called you to do today. He's not in a hurry. The Bible says a thousand years with the Lord is like a day. He's never in a hurry, but yet he is always on time, and his timing is perfect. He's in a hurry. He's never in a hurry. We're always in a hurry, but God's not. So don't go to God, Lord, I got to hear from you today by 12 o'clock, because you're probably not going to hear from him. He doesn't work that way. He's not in a hurry. The second thing I've learned is that God's will isn't always easy. That wasn't an easy thing to do to leave that promising career that I had. But see, God's more concerned about you having Christ-like character than you are, than being comfort, comfortable and convenient. That's not, that's not what he's concerned about, your comfort and your convenience. He's concerned about you being obedient, having that Christ-like character. Thirdly, the will of God and the word of God are inseparable. I hope I have made that so clear to you this morning. The Bible is full of God's clear commands that offer direction for most of life's decisions. It's there. His will for your life will never contradict his word. And finally, God guides his people moment by moment. It is not his way to give more light on the future than we need for the present. And we saw this demonstrated with the children of Israel as they wandered. They had that pillar, of, that cloud, and that pillar of light guide them day by day, step by step. In the closing, I love what George Truitt said. Let me back that up. He said, to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To do the will of God is the greatest achievement. Knowing and obeying God's will is the key to a victorious Christian life. Well, God wants to speak to you this morning, as I said. He so desperately wants to communicate his will for your life. He wants to communicate what you need to do about this decision that's in front of you. Just go to him. Apply those practical steps to your life. Put yourself in a position where you can better be open to what it is that God is trying to say. Because to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge you'll ever have. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement you'll do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we've had today. Lord, thank you for how you have spoke to us. And Lord, I pray for those sitting in this room. Many faced with some very, very difficult decisions that must be made. And Lord, I so, so desperately pray that you would speak to them, speak to them in a clear way. 
And Father, not only will you speak to them and reveal your will, but I pray you'd help them understand that, know what it is they have to do, and then give them the ability to do it. Lord, we want to do what you've called us to do. When we lean on our own understanding, that's when we mess things up. So Lord, lead us, guide us in all the decisions that we face in our life. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You know, as I was um, thinking about how to close this message, uh, God, again, Holy Spirit spoke to me. Some of you may have some very difficult decisions. I look right here at Kayla Causey. She's got a decision to make about school. If she'll come get godly counsel from me, I can help her on that. But no, <laughs> she's got a decision to make. But Kayla's like all of you. There are decisions in your life that you got to make. And if you've got a decision right now that you're struggling with, that you so desperately need to hear God speak to you about, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make your way back to that connect room. There's a team back there that will sit down and at least pray with you. Just let somebody pray with you about the decisions that you, that you have to make. Don't be embarrassed. We all have tough decisions that we have to make. Sometimes there are heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching decisions. Go, go talk to somebody about that. So make your way back to the connect room. Let somebody pray for you. And the second thing I want to say is, listen, you will never know God's will for your life until you first surrender to him. That's, that is step number one that must happen if you're going to hear from God. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're sitting in this room right now and God is speaking to you, don't ignore that. Respond. Respond to God. Again, make your way back to the connect room. There are people back there who would love to talk to you. So glad that you're here today. So glad you made the point to be a part of our service. Um, before we close, I, I do want to just say at least one thing. Uh, if you did not get a chance to read uh, Jeff's Caring Bridge last night, um, he had some information on there about Wendy, and basically what he said is that her vitals are dropping. And so um, I think we're all smart enough to realize what, what that means. And so just pray. Pray for Jeff. Pray for strength as he's in this very difficult situation. But also pray for comfort for Wendy. Um, the Lord's timing is perfect. He's not in a hurry. His timing's always right. So just be in prayer for them. Again, if you have a decision that you're really struggling with, please make your way back to the connect room. Glad that you're here. And this time, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and Brian's going to dismiss us in a choral benediction.